Hi guys, welcome back to What is Holding You Back, the podcast which will help you understand your true potential and purpose in life. And we are back again with another episode for you, which we are super, super excited about. Right, Arslan? Absolutely. We are very thrilled about this episode. Today's topic is a bit different from the ones we have discussed before. It's all about using technology and innovation as an opportunity to make life better. Digitalization today has a massive impact for reducing the unemployment rate and improving the quality of life, including access to healthcare. Technology is increasing at a rapid pace with the advancement of AI, artificial intelligence, driverless cars, nanotechnology, you name it. But it's important to use technology for meaningful purpose and impact the wider society. UN says, Having digital technologies mean that now we can reach up to 50% of the developing world's population in only two decades, which was previously impossible. Arslan, today's topic definitely seems really, really exciting and it's going to be really, really different. So I am very, very pumped up. So our incredible guest works at DocPers. She's a specialist in public health service delivery and digitizing health systems with a master's in health services administration from the Florida University. Her work in telemedicine has been featured in WHO website. She has been authored a series of children's books focusing on the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Not only that, she has also published multiple articles in national newspapers and regularly writes for the magazine on topics of healthcare and the health effects of climate change. We can go on and on about her remarkable work and the social impact she's having on the world. But without waiting more, let's welcome Mahin Zanani. We are super delighted to have you with us today. (laughs) Thanks so much, guys, for the kind introduction. I'm so excited to be on here. Perfect. Yes, we are really excited to have you as well, Mahin. So... We firstly really wanted to know what made you move from living in Florida in US, living a comfortable lifestyle to working in Pakistan, as it sounds like a huge step. Yeah, it was definitely a huge step. Um, So I grew up in Pakistan and I moved when I was in high school. Um, I uh, started going to high school in Florida. I finished my undergraduate education there. Then I moved on to doing my master's in health administration. Um, I came to Pakistan in 2019 to visit with a return ticket, and I just never went back. (laughs) Um, So when I came here, um, and also especially after understanding public health better with the global perspective and um, just studying it more um, when I came here. And I mean, I was always aware of the health system in Pakistan because I grew up here. But um, after studying it and coming back here, I saw that I could also be a part of creating change. Um, I got some great opportunities and I just decided to stay back and work here. And I think that that was a great decision. Awesome. That's amazing. That's incredible, Mahin. Like a lot of people like us, you know, prefer living in countries like, you know, US, UK, because there's a comfortable lifestyle. But I think you challenge yourself because 
I think you wanted to change the world, maybe. Um, you wanted to impact people. Um, and again, healthcare system in Pakistan is, is um, you know, not, at, not as great as countries like US. So uh, you are doing a great job in terms of impacting and influencing the health, healthcare system in Pakistan. Yeah, and that's a great reason. I think that's a source of inspiration for me. Actually, you went for, you know, you stayed because you wanted to impact lives. And I think that's the one thing that will make you and go even forward. So the next question is, um, I want to ask you about the organization that you work for. So the doctors, um, and why were you so passionate about making making impact in women? And what drives you? So, you know, um, specifically for Pakistan, and I'm, this is a very surprising um, statistic that I have, that Pakistan ranks 154 among 195 countries in terms of quality and accessibility of healthcare. And um, this is one of the main reasons why Pakistan has a really high um, rate of maternal and neonatal mortality and morbidity in the whole of South Asia. Um, which is crazy. And um, there's so much malnutrition, illness and disease. And um, this is what this is even more so with women and children because of the really wide gender gap that's in Pakistan. And so um, doctors, we work towards reintegrating uh, female doctors, health providers, with by leveraging, leveraging technology and using a digital health platform. And we connect them with, we connect these remotely located health providers who can provide health seekers with good quality healthcare through the use of video consultations and telemedicine. Wow. That, that's really incredible. I love the fact that, you know, technology is being used right here, like in the right form to improve other people's life. Um, and, and why were you so passionate about like, you know, making making social impact in women? Like what actually drove you? So, you know, growing up in Pakistan, I mean, I saw that there is such a huge gender gap here. Um, for example, I'll give you an example about one of the villages that we work in. Um, so there are so many women and children that do not work. Um, they are home-based and if they need healthcare in order to go to a clinic, um, it's like a whole day like expedition for them. Um, they need to wait for the men to come back home. Um, they need transportation, which they usually don't have. And they need to venture out to the city is to visit a clinic or a hospital. And so many times in such um, more developing areas, um, sometimes there's no doctor when you reach the clinic or there's no nurse, so you have to wait. And I mean, these people, their monthly wages would be approximately like 10,000 to 12,000 rupees. And just getting to the clinic with transportation and paying their fees, that takes about 10% of their monthly income. And, um, and again, like this is a true fact that it's easier for men than women to access this healthcare. So um, this is why we wanted to um, bridge this gender gap and just, and healthcare is a basic necessity, right? It's not like they're asking for something that you have to go out of your way for. So um, this is why I'm so passionate about helping women and children, especially. 
Okay, that's that's really amazing. That's incredible. I think we by listening to this, I think we feel really, really grateful that you know sometimes you take um accessing healthcare for granted, but like you know, in villages like it's such a hard distance and what mm -hmm. what you guys are doing it's really really amazing i'm so proud that we get the chance to talk to you and like you know like you know people talk about problems in pakistan and like to, uh, it's yeah. so good that you know there's a solution to this like you know you're using technology you know you're using telemedicine to to connect people you know to connect the doctors who are actually qualified and they, they can't and they uh, and they can't um they can't practice because of their, you know, they probably got married early or whatever, and they can help people, um, they can help women who actually need help by using tablets, for example. Exactly. So, and I mean, um, so, I mean, you just uh, mentioned medical graduates, women, right, who aren't working. And, and this is also crazy because 60% of medical uh, graduates and women um, they are not participating in the health workforce because of either cultural reasons or because of childcare or because um, they move and their families don't let them. And this term is so common in Pakistan. It's called doctor bride, in which um, a female doctors, they get married and after that, they just don't work. Um, so this is how we're bridging that gap. And, and I think telemedicine is great when it comes to it, although it does has, has its own setbacks, um, which we can talk about later, but um, I, this is just the first step in, you know, um, three different kinds of groups of people, these health providers, and then we have our midwives and nurses. And then thirdly, we have these group of women in remote the locations who can't get access to healthcare. So it's just connecting all these groups is what we do. Yeah, and that's really good because what you're doing is you're not letting um, their dreams die. And I think that makes me really, really happy from inside. Like you're making the, you know, making them still, you're giving them first for living. So this, you're giving them jobs, you know, giving them income like midwives, nurses, doctors, and at the same time, it enables them to grow and pursue their passion. So I think it's incredible. Absolutely. Exactly, yes. Absolutely. And another thing is that telemedicine is a growing area in technology. And you guys are using this to, you know, impact people. So that's, that's incredible. And, you know, these villages, like you talk about, uh, for example, in Tarparkar, they are, they, are, they are out of the city. So it's very really hard for them to yeah. get the mainstream um you know uh, healthcare so i think you guys are bridging the gap it's all about it's all about you know seeing a problem and and solving that so i think you guys are doing a great job um not many people do it so i mean that's something that you know that's quite inspiring and quite impactful yeah and these villages in her barker i mean they don't have electricity at all and um and this is a great thing that i mean in my last visit um, we saw that now they have like really small solar panels that they're using just to charge their phones. So yeah, it's like, it's great to see. And I'll send you guys pictures after. But um, so now they're use, using like um, smartphones and devices. And when our female frontline health workers, they visit these homes, um, they have internet connectivity, which can help them connect to the doctors. So, I mean, it's 2021. And um, for some people, it's 
hard to even imagine how they would survive in places like this, but it's happening. And I think that we're, um, it's getting better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we should class ourselves as very lucky uh, because, you know, people like uh, people in, in those villages are struggling like crazy and they don't yeah. even have like basic yeah. necessity. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for mentioning that. So let's move towards our next question. Uh, so can you tell us a bit more about how Dr. Doc, Dr. is making an impact in villages in Pakistan? I think you just touched upon it. Maybe, maybe you can go in detail for mental health specifically. And can you tell us a real life story which, which, have, uh, which, which have impacted you the most while working there? Yeah, of course. So I guess the first thing that I talk about is that, I mean, even if you don't talk about villages and you think of developing areas, uh, developed areas, that even in those places where everyone's educated and there's so much conversation about mental health, it's still a very difficult topic to discuss. Um, I live in the city, Karachi, and even here, there are so many people who I meet who don't want to talk about mental health um, because there's so much stigma attached to it. So, um, and in the villages in Pakistan, they have so many problems with healthcare and, I mean, lack of nutrition, accessibility, that mental health is not a priority for them at this point. But um, especially after the COVID-19 pandemic, we saw a very, uh, we saw a high increase in illnesses due to stress and mental health. And there were a few challenges that we had to deal with too, because um, there are negligible mental health professionals in that region. And um, so that area has so many local languages. Um, for example, Sindhi. And to address the issue without re-stigmatizing it was a challenge for us because many words associated with mental health in the Sindhi language, it carries a negative connotation due to so many years of socio-cultural stigma that the topic carries, which um, can perpetuate shame to them. So um, our, the first step that we took was realizing the importance of translations and training of our field streams, which uh, was done by like national and global experts in trauma and uh, we also had a few people who were experts in the local language themselves. And in this uh, instance, technology played a vital role in mitigating these challenges um, and bridging that gap in the system. So we connected again with our frontline female health workers. We connected them to remote medical um, mental health professionals across the country to ensure that um, content care was being provided to the community um, with therapists and psychologists. And um, initially we wanted to start group sessions for mental health, but because of COVID, um, we weren't able to do so. And I guess our real life story, um, which I mean, it was um, very like impactful in the beginning. And this is kind of a sad story that um, so in areas like Thurbarkar, it they're very diverse. Um, there's going to be Hindu temples and mosques right next to each other. Um, people live in like peace and harmony. It's a really great place to be at. But um, 
a few months ago, we found out that this girl, uh, she was Muslim and she wanted to marry a Hindu boy. And because of um, family pressure, they weren't able to do so. And both of them committed suicide together. Um, so that was a very um, unfortunate incident. And Tharbarkar's suicide rate is extremely high. Um, I mean, it's unheard of in most places. And um, it's a very, suicide is a very common thing there. And that's something that we're trying to tackle right now with our mental health program as well. That's, that's quite uh, amazing to hear. And I think Anusha probably will talk about more about mental health in a minute. But um, I think it's very important to uh, look after your your brain, your, your you know, uh, like we do uh, for our bodies. Uh, and I, I'm glad that, you know, you guys are touching on that um, topic in, you know, remote areas like Tar Parker. Uh, so it's, it's quite amazing, amazing to see that. Yeah, and like, you know, even here in this area, here and like in develop in developed countries, like mental health is such a big issue. I can only imagine what can happen um, in in like villages like in Tharpaka. Like you know, you 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 don't hear about it. Like you know, you you don't assume that the suicide rate is gonna be that high. Like I I can only imagine what they must be going through and the awareness. Like we have social media right to educate us about so many mm -hmm. different things that I never heard of when I was little, but social media taught me that. But they, you said, as you were saying before, they don't probably have access to internet properly. So they don't have awareness. So I am so glad and I really, really am happy that, you know, you guys are bringing them awareness about these things. And I hope, I hope that, you know, in more villages than like developing countries, um, like Pakistan, like other, other villages also get the awareness because it's so important. And like, I hope, even in like, I, I hope and aspire like the young girls can somehow, you know, guys, they can become a mental health professional so they can be an advocates for them, you know, in villages and like bring and actually tell us the importance of, or tell them the importance of mental health because it's so vital. And only if like people could understand it better and normalize it that, you know, it's your health, your physical health is as important as your mental health. If your brain is not there properly, like if your thoughts aren't functioning, nothing works so another exactly yeah another thing i wanted to add is that it's not that easy to kind of promote mental health mm -hmm. in villages like mm -hmm. you know like Tarapaka no. because they have so many cultural norms that kind of you know uh, collide when you talk about mental health so i mean it's it's a challenge uh, and i think uh, but it's important to address it and i'm sure I, i'm and i'm glad that you guys are taking that on board and at least educating them uh, I'm, you know, I mean, they, they won't get the entire picture of it, but at least, you know, they will start to kind of understand why mental health is important in the current day and age. Yeah, and I mean, like, so much time um, in the beginning was put into just um, introducing the concept because, I mean, awareness and solutions and sessions come afterwards. They don't know what mental health is. You know, it's just uh, it's just a concept that was very hard for them to understand. Yeah, because they will just be like, it's nothing. Like, yeah. like we'll eat, yeah. we'll be together, we will find like this nothing. Yeah. They're not, you know, even in like Asian cultures like yeah. that. Like, in, yeah, so I can only imagine yeah. in villages. And their lives are so simple, you know, that they don't even think of this. Like, it, it wouldn't exist for them. 
Absolutely. I, th I think another reason is the literacy rate is quite low as well, right? So that could be another uh -huh. factor that might play in. Uh, so yeah, let's continue our conversation. So, so sure. oh ahead. yeah, so the next question we wanted to ask is, um, what do you think is the, uh, the barrier for women in Pakistan who want to, you know, aspire to dream big for their career? And how do you think uh, this barrier can be reduced? Mm, honestly, <laughs> I can think of so many barriers. And, you know, I personally know so many women who um, dream so big and they have the abilities, like they're so capable of achieving whatever they want, whatever they can put their minds to. But I think sometimes because of uh, either your culture or your religion or just like sometimes even where you live, um, they can pose as barriers. But I think that if you put your mind to it, then um, there's you can overcome anything. Um, for example, how um, our female doctors, if um, they have children and they can't leave their houses, um, they can connect to patients via telemedicine. So, um, I mean, I, I mean, the best case scenario would not to have any unnecessary barriers in the first place. But I think that um, there's always a solution if you put your mind to it. Yeah, exactly. Now there, I think every, yeah, their solution just, just does exist. And I think it's about finding and it's about also about um, how much do you want it? Like of course there is good there there are it's easier said than done but there is there are like cultural barriers you know a lot of other things in Pakistan but it's about you you know you, women often don't fight for them what they really really want like you know they're like oh, we'll adjust we'll adapt but it's about like time we yeah. stand up for ourselves and like what we really really want um it will be hard but I think it'll be worth it about you know pursuing their passion like and just like just going for it and like. I just, I just hope and pray, like, you know, they, they you know, like organizations like yours, um, they, they find, they have opportunities for women who can still, you know, after even having kids, they can still pursue their passion. There is an opportunity. I think it's about when you really want something and you focus on it so much, the opportunities just come aligned because you want it that much. Absolutely. Exactly. And I think that women have also been suppressed for so many years and now there's so many, I'm, so much awareness. And also now there's so many movements that are geared towards empowering women. Um, for example, the Aurat March, mm -hmm. or we have so many, um, uh, we have so many um, public figures who are speaking about this, whether it's women or men. And I think just awareness and telling women that you can do this, you know? um is the first step here that, that's amazing and i, I just want to add one more thing uh, uh mahini here is that like women like you for example mm -hmm. are are becoming inspiration for these young women that are coming in when, when they look up to you you know um they, they see that you know if if mahin can for example do it we can do it too so you guys are the example of you know what more modern women in Pakistan and what what you know girls can do uh, yeah. if they are given yeah. an opportunity to prove themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
definitely. And now the times have changed, you know. I mean, there are still things there, but like there is no sense of like women sitting at home, you know, looking after kids. I think now we have we are we are blossoming like women who are independent and working at the same time. Absolutely, I think women are now competing uh, neck to neck with men. Um, uh, so yeah, I think I think that in in the future um, they will have equal opportunity as men. Uh, but uh, it's it's quite hard to say in a country like Pakistan, which has so many cultural norms. But I really wish and believe that you know, like programs like you just mentioned, can really inspire the young women to to do something and they are the one that as I mentioned that that can change their life no one can the programs can be there to educate them mm -hmm. but they have their faith and destiny in their own hands so if they want they can change it so moving to the the, the next question is that uh, how did you find your true passion and purpose and what one advice can you give to our listeners today Oh, that's a good question. And I have a very boring answer for this one. <laughs> but so um, my undergrad was in pre-medical biology. And um, one of my parents is a doctor. And I just wanted to be that because I grew up looking at it. And senior year, I was like, I hate this so much. But I loved my business classes. I used to love math and accounting. So after undergrad, um, I took upon doing a master's in health administration and I just loved it so much. And um, so in my final year of my master's, we had to write a research paper and my research paper was on maternal and neonatal mortality in Pakistan and the effects behind it, why it's happening, how you can overcome it. And I did this great internship with uh, the Aga Khan Hospital on the same topic um, where they were collecting data across Pakistan on women and, um, you know, how many kids they have, um, infections and newborns, etc. And I just loved it. And um, I just, I wanted to be a part of such a movement which worked towards changing um, healthcare um, without actually providing healthcare <laughs> just for my part. But um, yeah, I was just really inspired. And you know, it, it, it makes a difference when you can see right in front of you, the change that is happening because of something that you are a part of and you just, it's like a high, then you just wanna keep doing more, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's so beautiful to see like all the things that you studied came together, um, forming a perfect picture. Uh, and uh, I am so glad that you are doing what you love um, and and your work is making an impact and I think I'm sure uh, coming years in the future you'll impact even more people and uh, yeah so that's my wish and that's our wish I think for yeah you. yeah well that's kind of you to say and I hope so <laughs> yeah. no definitely and I think when you impact a life or you see like you've made so much impact in someone's life that is just the high that you want to continue on I think nothing can make you happy than Think that you've changed their life, that your work or what you're doing brings it brings even just a smile on someone's face. I think corporate jobs and stuff can give you that high, but I think 
seeing a smile on someone's face and see like oh someone coming up to you and say oh you've changed my life I think that is the biggest source of happiness at least I think um definitely um yeah and so what would you what, what advice would you give for other listeners as well so if they want to um follow the true passion I think that one of the best things that I did was um well you know in the beginning when I didn't know what to do and I didn't know what job I wanted I would just search up random resumes on Indeed and look at it and try to see how people got where they are (laughs) but um I think that one of the best things was to find a mentor uh who's doing what you do and I think that nothing uh, speaks more than experience. And, um, you know, you can get help whenever you need it. Don't be scared of asking for help. Great. Thank you. I think that's one of the biggest difficulties we all have. You, you're too afraid to just ask, right? Um, and the mm-hmm. answers are all in front of you. You just have to find them. Um, so the next question is like, how can anyone make a social impact sitting anywhere where they are? It can be, you know, in their country uh, or if they want to make an impact in developing countries like Pakistan, what is the one thing like they can do right now? You know, um, there's, you could always uh, donate your skills. Mm-hmm. So um, let's say someone's working on a project, right? And you can always offer what you know how to do or what you can do. And yeah, I think that's the best way. I mean, people donate money, um, large corporations do that. But like, if I wasn't working here, I would, you know, help out with writing for awareness. Or if you're good at designing, you can help out with um, making posters, etc. So whatever you're good at, I think that's the best, like giving your knowledge, like, you know, like I think that's, that's the best part. Exactly. Of, yeah. You can give for you've learned, I think. And, and your time. Yeah. And your time and knowledge. Exactly. I think that that is the best thing. And you know what, you give that and that sense of so much gratitude, you give it and then it comes back to you in so many ways and forms. And, you know, these times of this kind of service that you, that you do. And again, it's all about the impact, any kind of skill that you are giving is having an impact it doesn't have to be on the front line like you know being the front attention but anything yes. you can give yeah for sure i think every small thing that you do is is making an impact uh so yeah thank you for mentioning that so so what was the one thing that was holding you back before you started pursuing your true passion or your journey of making social impact So um, I guess the one thing holding me back in my career was, um, you know, picking a niche. And because, I mean, public health is so diverse. And even if you want to help in everything, you can't. Um, You have to, like, pick a certain um, niche and put all your efforts into it. And, I mean, I'm still struggling with that, to be honest. Um, Finding... um, a certain um, aspect to work towards and um, yeah. Absolutely yes because you know public health and healthcare is such a huge kind of topic so it's very hard to kind of find a niche Uh, but I'm sure that you know as I said before as well that whatever you are doing right now it's inspiring whatever you will do in the future will, will impact a lot of lives. 
Yeah, I'm so glad that you're doing what you're doing. So I'm glad you found your find found <laughs> path um, of your choice because it's definitely impacting a lot of lives. Um, you probably yeah, don't and I think you learn as you go. Like, yeah. you know, you keep changing what you're doing, and um, that's with everyone. Yeah, exactly. Adaptability and keep keep. I think having the urge to learn. I think you die otherwise if you don't learn every day something new, right? So, um, yeah, I think that's very, very important. So um, let's now get to the best part of the podcast, which is our rapid fire round. So I hope, Maheen, are you excited for that? <laughs> Super excited. <laughs> so you can only answer in a line or using a word, which never goes on track, but we will try our best. Okay. So uh, the first question. Fast? Sorry? <laughs> Do I have to answer fast? <laughs> we'll try our best right so you can answer in a line or word but our guests never are able to fulfill that criteria or neither can we but um <laughs> but we'll try so um the first question is what is the one thing that keeps you going when the time gets tough mm, coffee <laughs> <laughs> i love that or do you have any like saying that you always you know look forward to sorry say that again do you have any saying that you always like look back at? Um, not at the top of my head, no. That's fine. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, coffee is very important, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We won't ask Mahin how many sugar you take in the coffee, but let's move on. So the next question I wanted to ask is that what is the one thing you do for self-care? Oh, I go to the gym every day. I lift weights and I love it. Yeah, that's very, very important. It's very important to take care of yourself uh, physically as well. Very important. Yeah, I think he's sure. late. He lives in the gym, so. No, no, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the third question is: What is a source of inspiration that you look up to as a role model, and why? I think that looking at my bosses at work, who are doing way more than me, and. Uh, who I want to be like is very inspirational for me great that's amazing as you said you should always have like a mentor or something yeah. like I, I, I thought you were saying Imran Khan why <laughs> because the reason why I say it because you know he's making such a huge impact socially as well so that's why I thought um, something that a lot of people kind of look up to I personally look up to him <laughs> in terms of the impact that you know he makes around Pakistan uh, with his hospital, for example, Shokat Khanam. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, thank you so much, Mahin, for joining us and keep and keep making the impact you are in Pakistan. It's incredible that you are working on so many amazing projects, um, and you know it's it's inspiring. I want to add this quote by Scott: "The world only exists in your eyes. You can make it as big or as small as you want." It's only the matter of your perception. And Mahin, you saw what impact you could make and you went after it. We are so glad that you did and that applies to everyone. You can make any change in the world you want. It's your choice. Mahin, if our audience wants to connect with you, uh, where can they find you? Definitely. Um, so I have an Instagram page, which is called mahin.thanani.mhsa. Um, or you could even reach out to me at my email address, which is mahinthanani95 at gmail.com. Oh, perfect. Thank you. 
I think after that your followers will increase. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> and thank you all for for joining us today. Uh, we are so grateful and humbled to have you as part of our community who are trying to break past barriers which are holding you back to achieve your goals. Let's together change life around us. Please follow us on our Instagram page, what's holding you back, and give your feedback. You can listen to us on various places such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We are so excited for upcoming episodes. They are going to be epic. So looking forward to having you back. Sending you lots of love and gratitude as well as strength for whatever you are going through. Thank you so much. And thank you, Mahin, for, um, for joining us. We really appreciate you coming. It was my pleasure.